Amen. Hey, y'all give it up for our worship team. I'm telling you, we have some of the most talented, talented worship leaders. So grateful for them. All right, find a seat if there's one near you. If not, just sit down and get cozy, I guess. I will uh, I'll go ahead and tell you um, something that we are kind of dreaming about, something that we're trying to plan um, is, and really, I mean, we're, we've been praying about it for multiple semesters now, is uh, we are praying for a new space. We're praying that the Lord would bring about uh, a new space for all of us to gather so that those of you who are sitting on the floor would not have to sit on the floor. Uh, we want everybody to be able to have a chair. We want everybody to uh, be able to have somewhere to sit. And we don't want to have a lid on the capacity because of a room. So if you guys, I just want to invite you to pray along with us um, in, in that, that you would pray that the Lord would bring about a new space and uh, that he would make it clear, that he would give us direction and guidance in that area. Uh, well, let's get started. So I told you a little bit about me. Uh, one thing that I didn't tell you about, though, was, uh, was my wife. I mentioned to you uh, who I am. I know some of you guys came in late. My name is Logan Evans. Uh, I had the privilege of being the college pastor at Christ Place Church. Uh, but like I said, I, I didn't mention to you guys uh, about the rest of my family. I didn't mention to you guys about my wife. She is in here somewhere. Aaliyah, where are you? She's shy. There she is. Hey. So my beautiful wife, Aaliyah, and I have been married for three years as of a few weeks ago. Three big old whopping years. I know. I know. Veterans. Yes. Thank you. And um, we celebrated this past week. We celebrated our anniversary with a cruise. We spent, I know, I know, I know. We spent seven days sailing uh, across the Eastern Caribbean, and we had a great time. It was actually our second cruise. We went on a cruise for our honeymoon, and uh, if there's one thing that we have learned is that we are cruise people. Um, there are people who claim to not be cruise people, people who I don't understand. Let me tell you why we like cruises, and if I, I don't want to get too sidetracked because I'll talk about this forever. Uh, we like cruises, uh, one, because we like to eat. And there is unlimited food on cruises. You pay for it all up front. So you just keep on ordering as much as you want. Uh, A week ago tomorrow is the anniversary of the meal in which I had five lobster tails in one sitting. It was unbelievable. Yes, yes. Uh, We like to eat. We love to travel. So on a cruise, you get to go to all different places. Uh, We love to be disconnected. It's so nice to be able to kind of cut the cord on what's going on back here and get to get away and focus on each other. Uh, We also, one one thing that we love about cruises is we love to watch drunk people sing karaoke. It's a blast, I'm telling you. I mean, one of our favorite pastimes, I heard one of the most unique renditions of Party in the USA that I have ever heard. Uh, a few days ago. So uh, we love cruises, but one thing about cruises, I don't know if you've ever been on one, uh, you go on these things called excursions. Basically, the ship pulls into a port, and you have pre-booked some sort of a tour or experience with a little tour guide, something like that that's local to the area. And when we were going on our honeymoon cruise, we were looking through all of these excursions. Now, the kind of excursions that I'm interested in have to do with jet skis and zip lines and All kinds of adventure activities, tubing down rivers, whatever. They offer all kinds of stuff. The thing about being married, though, is you kind of have to give and take a little bit, okay? So we ended up on a dolphin experience. It was great. Um, So the dolphin experience was a, a tour where you basically got to go to this place and swim with dolphins. They advertised it. I mean, it was 
crazy. They showed pictures, um, you know, when we were looking at it online, they, they showed these pictures of people sitting in crystal clear blue water, dolphins frolicking all around them. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You, uh, they advertise that you get to swim with dolphins, that the dolphins will throw you into the air, which I know sounds bad, but like they advertise it as a good thing. Um, it, it, was, it was incredible what they said on this ad. Well, then the cruise came around. And we knew something was up when we spent two hours on a van headed to our excursion, driven by some Jamaican who probably drives like they do in Jamaica. And uh, we're, we're headed there, and uh, we pull up to this place, and it's a shack. And there's a pool out back. And, and genuinely, there are, it, beautiful, like dolphins all over the place. You, you look at kind of this, this far pool. People are, are swimming with the dolphins just like the pictures. It, it's incredible. So I'm going, something like doesn't feel right, it's not adding up, uh, but sure enough, there it is, exactly what we saw, people are having a good time, I can't wait to get down there. So we, we do, we, we walk on down and our tour guide leads us to a different pool, not the pool where I saw everybody having a good time like I saw online, a different pool, where he tells us it's time for our dolphin experience. He says, put your hands on the top of the water, we do so. The dolphin comes and swims and touches our hands about the most anticlimactic thing I've ever experienced. He said, the dolphin told you hello. <laughs> and uh, we did that in a few different ways. And uh, I, I finally like, told the guy, like, hey, man, I think we're in the wrong place. Like, I'm supposed to be over there with the dude getting slingshotted into the air by the dolphin. We signed up for the dolphin experience. He said, you're on the dolphin experience. That's the ultimate dolphin experience. <laughs> we realized uh, not too far into that excursion, that we were victims of something that's called a bait-and-switch. Uh, it's, it's hopefully not a popular thing, but it's a common thing, uh, and it's pretty self-explanatory. You get the idea. You basically have a seller who, who makes something look super, super attractive to you. They bait you, if you will, and then whenever the customer comes to take advantage of the offer or whatever it is, it's switched right in front of your eyes, and the thing that you thought you were getting, all of a sudden, it turns out to not be... A reality. All of a sudden, you realize that uh, what you paid is worth nowhere near what the thing that you actually got. And we're going to be in a sermon series over the next three weeks here at Revive that we're calling Bait and Switch. And, and here's the idea uh, the idea behind this sermon series is that you have an enemy. You have an enemy uh, that will use things that look enticing to you as college students, and he will try to use them to lure you in only to get you to the point that you try to take advantage of it. And when you do, he is notorious for switching it up on you, getting you to a place where you realize that you are in a position where, where you have taken advantage of something that costs you much more than you were ever willing to pay. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at three of the most common pitfalls of college students, three of the most notorious uh, pieces of bait, if you will, that the enemy uses to entice you in this season of life. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the first one, and that is, if you haven't picked up on it, it's busyness. Busyness. If I were to ask you what it was, I don't know that that's the direction you would have gone, but that's where we're going to start tonight. And, and so you might ask, why? Why busyness? Like, why are we, why are we starting there? Well, I, I think that the enemy knows that as college students, you all have the most freedom in your schedule than you have ever had before. Am I right? 
Like you have more freedom than you've ever had before, right? You, uh, you can go do whatever you want, uh, assuming that you don't have a job, in the evenings. Here's how I know. I don't know where they are, but I worked out with three of you yesterday at 4.30 p.m. You know the last time I've worked out at 4.30 p.m.? When I was in college. That doesn't happen afterwards. Uh, and, and you're probably like, all right, well, you say that I, you know, I have freedom, but I have a class schedule. And it keeps me busy all through the mornings. And I know good and well that you probably already missed three of them, okay? So you have freedom. You, you have more, I would argue, than you will ever have for the rest of your life. And the enemy knows that while you have all that freedom, you're also surrounded with all sorts of different things fighting for your time. You have clubs and teams. You have classes. You have friends. You have more than friends. All competing for your time all trying to make your schedule busy. And the enemy knows that if he can fill your time with time wasters, if he can fill your schedule with things that at the end of the day don't matter, then he'll be able to pull your eyes off of what matters most. So tonight we're going to talk about busyness. I think what I just said, the the thing that I mentioned about college students in this stage of life, I think that's why right now, Get this, the statistic as of 2021 is that 63% of college students who come into college professing some sort of a faith in Christ will walk away from the faith altogether by the time that those four years are over. That is astounding. And so my hope is that tonight, that, that this room, that... that Maybe the Lord would move in your heart in such a way that you would not become a part of that statistic. Because I'm telling you, I've seen so many college students where busyness was a factor in that taking place. They, They put something in front of their relationship with God. Relationship with God goes on the back burner and the drifting begins. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Uh, We're going to be in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And uh, as we walk through this passage tonight, what I want to do is I want to point out to you three truths about busyness. Three truths about busyness. And you're probably already thinking, like, all right, he's acting like busyness is a bad thing. There's no way that I cannot be busy as a college student. I mean, I play sports. I do all this different stuff. Let me just say from the get-go that I I am not uh, going to suggest tonight that you keep your schedule free. Like, I'm not going to suggest that you turn into a monk and, you know, go uh, in isolation and, and don't do anything. But what I am going to suggest is that as you step into an unavoidably busy season of life, that you make time to be with Jesus. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember those words, make time to be with Jesus. Let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Let's stop there. So we're introduced to our first two characters, Mary and Martha. Mary is the rule follower. You you might not have picked up on that, but Luke is writing to show us that Mary is the rule follower. The reason that she is a rule follower is because in this time... It was a Jewish tradition that if a rabbi walked through town and they were uh, journeying, going somewhere, it was Jewish tradition for you to open up your house and host that teacher, that rabbi. 
And so that's what Martha does. She's following all the rules. Like she is, at this point, she's the hero of the story. And then you got Mary. Mary is not as much of a rule follower. She's more of a rule bender, even though it might not seem that way. The reason that Mary is kind of bending the rules here is that what you see is that Mary goes straight to the feet of Jesus as soon as he comes into the house. And you're like, all right, that sounds great. Here's the problem. In this day, that was a place that was reserved uh, really not, not for women. It was something that was reserved only for men. She's sitting in the, uh, in the place of a disciple. And so you have a rule follower. You have the rule bender. And then we read in, uh, in this next verse, verse 40, that the rule follower is going to all of a sudden become not so heroic. It says this, But Martha was distracted with much serving. The first truth that I want you to see tonight about busyness is uh, the cause of busyness. If you're a note taker, write that down, the cause of busyness. And the cause of busyness is revealed to us right there in that verse. It says, Martha was distracted. The cause of busyness is distraction. Now, the word distracted is interesting in the original language. Uh, really, the, the root word that it comes from means to be pulled apart. It speaks of like moving towards something, but to slowly be pulled apart from it. You kind of get how that works? Um, I think of it like this. You guys remember whenever you were young and you would go to like arcades. This sounds weird. One of uh, Aaliyah and I, one of our favorite things to do, one of her favorite things to do, and it's becoming, become one of my favorite things to do, is go to arcades. If we're like, you know, got nothing to do on a weekend, we'll go to Main Event or Dave and Buster's. And, uh, you know, with all the other 10-year-olds having their birthday parties. And so uh, we'll go and we'll do that and we'll have a great time. But if, you, if you've ever been to an arcade, you know that one of, the, one of the best parts of the arcade is the gift shop. Like after you spent $500 on 17 rounds of air hockey... You get to take that $500 and go to the treasure room. And you have all these gifts displayed in front of you. Anything from 12 cents to $5. And you get your pick. And so, one of the things that I, that I know I would always go for whenever I was little were those, like, sticky hands. You guys remember those things? Little sticky hands, they're made of, like, goo or something? Okay. You seem to, uh, you seem to remember those. I remember specifically, like, I would get those at the arcade, and I'd be riding home, and I'd, like, you know, smack it against the window, whatever, stick to the window. My mom's sitting in front of me. I'd, like, hit her in the neck with it, (laughs) stick to her neck. If you're familiar with those, you know what happens after about 25 minutes of using them. It just falls. Like, it's it's no longer a sticky hand. It's just a gooey hand, right? Why? Because it gets covered in your sister's hair, and food crumbs, and lint from whatever it is that you've stuck it on, right? It just gets covered in all this nastiness. All of a sudden, like two things that once stuck together, you try to hit it on the window and it just falls right off. Two things that once stuck together now do not because of what's in between them. There's like this barrier of nastiness, right? And over time, it begins to lose its stickiness. That's kind of how it is with distraction. See, the more that you let things come in between you and your relationship with Jesus, the easier it is for you to be separated, for you to be pulled apart away from him, for your heart 
to start drifting away from him. And so my question to you is, what's distracting you from being with Jesus? What's pulling you away? It doesn't happen all at once. It happens over time. But what is it that's pulling you away? The things that distracted Martha here, it says Martha was distracted by serving. These were not sinful things. Like she wasn't in the other room looking at porn. She wasn't in the other room doing drugs. She wasn't uh, getting drunk. I mean, Martha was, she says she was serving. She was rolling out the red carpet for the king of the universe. I mean, she's doing things that would be the equivalent of leading a small group, serving in your college ministry, going on an outreach event, going on a mission trip. I mean, she's doing good things. But even good things can become the wrong thing if they distract you from the most important thing. And so we have to be careful that even if it's good things, that we don't let it come in between us and our relationship with Jesus. What was happening in Martha's heart is what happened so frequently in our heart, so frequently in my heart. Uh, Martha cared more about doing things for Jesus than being with Jesus. And it pulled her heart away from him. I don't know what it is for you, uh, but again, it doesn't have to be an inherently bad thing. Uh, it could easily be your school schedule, that you, you load up on so many classes trying to finish college in, in, a, in a quick amount of time that you make yourself so busy that all of a sudden your relationship with the Lord starts to go on the back burner because you have so much school to do. Maybe it's your pursuit of stuff. You just love material possessions so much that your pursuit of, of Jesus goes on the back burner because you want material possessions, and maybe, maybe it's your drive to make money. Maybe it's a relationship. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I know that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be good things that distract you from Jesus. As I look into my heart over the past few weeks, because let me tell you, this has been a convicting message to prepare. Uh, as I look into my heart over the past few weeks, uh, looking for things that have distracted me from being with Jesus, it's the fact that I want a whitewater kayak. Like, genuinely. I catch myself in the mornings, I open up the Bible, and I catch myself, like, starting nice and slow, and then all of a sudden the pages go faster and faster, and then I got my phone out, and I'm on Facebook Marketplace looking for the next whitewater kayak deal that comes around. And I don't even know how to whitewater kayak. Like, I just think they're cool. And me and Mitch are planning a trip. If I don't come to Revive one week, it's probably because I found one. Like, I wouldn't know what to do if I got it. I would drown. But that, that's just a picture of my heart. Like, genuinely. I, I'm letting a material thing, a material possession, come in between my time with the creator of the universe who knit me together in my mother's womb, who, who has plans for me, who loves me, who wants to teach me things. I'm letting a material possession get in the way of that. Even good things can become the wrong things if they pull you away from the most important thing. Uh, let's keep on reading. It says, And she went up to him and said, Lord, this is Martha talking, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
So what's going on is Martha is serving and doing all these things. She's uh, trying to cook and clean and all this stuff for, uh, for Jesus. She gets frustrated because her sister's not with her. And she goes up to Jesus, likely interrupting him, because we remember from verse 39 that he's teaching. So she likely interrupts him and basically rebukes him. The second truth that I want you to see tonight about busyness, I, I want you to see the danger of busyness. The danger of busyness. And the danger of busyness is deception. Deception. Busyness deceives us. It makes us believe lies. There are a few different ways that busyness deceives us. First of all, busyness can make you think that God doesn't care. We see that in in this text, right? That was the first thing that Martha said to Jesus. She said, Lord, do you not care? She she looks at, again, the creator of the universe, the one that, that created her and says, do you not care? It's very easy for someone who is busy when life gets difficult to blame God for the difficulty. Here, here's how I know. Um, a couple years ago, my wife and I, we left a job that I currently had, and uh, we took this job that I now have at Christ Place. And one of the things that was kind of a, an interesting hurdle that we had to jump through was that uh, when we left the previous job, uh, we had to uh, find a new house because the previous job, um, it provided housing for us. And so this was right around the time that the housing market just went crazy, okay? And so we go through this process of working with realtors, and we're doing all these different things, trying to find a house. And busyness is, is what took place uh, in my heart. Like, I started to go to our real estate agent and, you know, talk through all these different options. I would go to my friends who had houses, like they were homeowners, and I would ask them, like, okay, here's, here's the prices, here's with the locations, all this different stuff. Like, help me decide which one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, like, my community at Christ's place. Like, I'm doing all these things, trying to figure out what the right what the right path is because it was like we couldn't afford anything and uh, like there was like there were no options in our price range I mean it was was difficult and I remember one day for the first time in a while uh, I got my Bible uh, one morning and I I opened it up and I sat down spent some time with the Lord and I remember praying a prayer something along the lines of the one that Martha prayed here something along the lines of God do you not even care I mean, we have been trying everything. I've been talking to people. I've I've been asking everybody, like, do you even care? We have a deadline to meet. I'm not trying to be homeless. Like, what in the world do you want us to do? And it was in that moment that I felt the Lord say to me, it's not that I don't care. It's that you haven't even asked me. Like, you haven't even come to me, the the one who you should come to first and foremost. You haven't even come to me to ask me what I think you should do. I I think often uh, times it's not the fact that the Lord doesn't care about us. That's never true. What's true is that we probably don't care what he has to say. Busyness is deceitful. Not only is uh, busyness deceitful because it can cause you to think that God doesn't care about you, but busyness can also cause you to prioritize the wrong things. Busyness can cause you to prioritize the wrong things. The next thing that Martha says is she goes, my sister has left me to serve alone. She, She was so focused 
on serving, all she could see was that her sister wasn't there. Like serving in that moment was her priority. She did not care at all what Mary had left to do. She just knew that in her role, in, in that moment, that she was alone. What happened there is that Martha was so focused on doing things for Jesus that she totally missed the fact that all Jesus really cared about was her being with him. So, so here's, what, here's what happened. In that moment, Martha, Martha made doing things for Jesus her primary reward, while Mary, her sister, made being with Jesus her primary reward. And, and here's the difference. If you make what you do for Jesus your primary reward, you will always feel like you got the short end of the stick. Always. You'll, you'll say things like, all right, Lord, I'm in this small group, but I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. I'm serving in church. I'm doing all these things, but I don't feel like I'm getting any recognition. Like, I, I don't feel like anybody's even noticing me. I don't even feel like I'm needed. All Mary cared about, though, was, was being with Jesus. She, she made that her primary reward. And when you see Jesus as your primary reward and not the things you do for Jesus as your primary reward, as you see Jesus as your primary reward, works flow out of you. And you're not looking for Jesus to pay you back because he's your payment. So we make being with Jesus our primary reward, and all of a sudden, works not, no longer become an obligation, but they become an overflow of our relationship with him. Not only does busyness deceive us in, in those ways, uh, but busyness also causes us to think that we don't have enough time for God. Busyness causes us to think that we don't have enough time for God. Now, you see this here in, in this passage. The next thing that Martha says is she looks at Jesus. She says, tell her to help me. Like, I, I need some help doing what I'm doing. She says, like, Jesus, if I could finish these things that I'm doing, if I could finish this meal, finish the, the cooking, I would come and I would be with you. Yeah, absolutely, but I just need some help. Busyness will deceive you because it's a good excuse, right? She used it as, as an excuse, and you can use busyness as an excuse in your relationship with the Lord now. Like, one day, God, I promise, I, I, will, I will start reading my Bible. I, I will get serious about this church thing. You can use it as an excuse now. But one day, you're going to come face to face with Jesus, whether you like it or not. And I was busy. It's not going to cut it. That, that excuse will not work on the other side of eternity. Busyness will deceive you. And I can just tell you right now, if, if that's what you're doing, if you're using busyness right now as a college student, and let me tell you, I know y'all are busy. I know. But if you're using that as an excuse to not spend time with the creator of the universe, you are deceiving yourself. Because I'll tell you this, and you might not like it, you might not believe me, but you will never, you will never be less busy in your life than you are right now. I'm telling you. I've been around so many married couples that have graduated from college. I've now graduated from college, and I was a busy college student. I won't get into my whole schedule, but like you, I'm telling you, I was busy. I worked at a golf course, got to work every day at 6, had night classes, got home at around 10, and did it all over again the next day. Like, I was busy. 
And, and I can stand here and tell you that I had more free time then than I do now. Like I had more time to devote to my relationship with Jesus then than I do now. And so if you're someone who tells yourself like, all right, once life slows down, I'll really have time to devote to my relationship with God. Like if you're waiting for the day that you have that perfect spouse, you have the white picket fence, you have golden retrievers running around, you, you have the ability to brew a beautiful cup of coffee and then go have a two-hour quiet time every morning, you are sadly mistaken. Life only gets busier. The way that you make sure that you prioritize your time with Jesus when life gets busy is to instill in your life the discipline of spending time with Jesus today. There's one more truth about busyness that I want to point out to you in these final verses. It says this in verse 41. This is the Lord's response to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Better translated, Mary has chosen what is better. The final thing I want, to, I want you to see today from this passage is the cure for busyness. The cure for busyness. And the cure for busyness is this. It's devotion. Devotion. We see this in Mary. Mary was devoted to Jesus. She went straight to his feet and she sat there and she gave every opportunity that she had to, to learn from him and to be his disciple. And so we see here in this text that Jesus looks at Martha after she basically rebukes him. He says, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is better. His message to Martha is clear. I'm better. Jesus is better. He, he tells Martha, you have devoted yourself, Martha, to your to-do list. Mary has devoted herself to me. You can try to busy yourself with whatever you want, cooking, cleaning, doing all these things for me, but at the end of the day, whatever you choose, I am and will always be better. Why? Like, why is it that, that Jesus says that? Why is it that we can still say today that Jesus is better than anything? It's because of what he says next. In, in verse 42, he says, and it can't be taken away from her. What does that mean? Well, well, somehow, in this moment, Mary is investing in something, not, not something temporary, but something that's going to last forever. The world will put things in front of you. The enemy will put temptations in front of you to, to be busy with things that are temporary. Friends, memories, degrees, again, important things, but not eternal things. There is one thing and one thing only that lasts forever. And it's your relationship with Jesus. It's the investments that you make in eternal things. 1 Timothy 4.8, I love this verse. It, it hits this so clearly. It says, while bodily training, like getting in the gym, working out, all of things like that, while that is of some value, godliness, the pursuit of, of Jesus is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life but also the life to come I'm telling y'all I have I've noticed this as I've gotten older that life is a journey of over and over and over again learning what's important I've realized that so when when I was uh young 
my sister had a, um, she had a little stuffed animal. Um, it, was a, it was a puppy, and its name was Puppy, okay? And so she carried Puppy with her everywhere. She would not sleep without it. I specifically remember one time that she, uh, we were at my grandparents' house or something like that. She didn't have Puppy. She lost her mind. She couldn't go to sleep. It was so important to her. Meanwhile, I'm three years older than her. I'm like, that is not important. I don't know why you can't go to sleep without puppy. You know what is important, though? All of my stuffed animals. I had, like, 40, like, just to be vulnerable with you. And I had this, like, this um, cabinet thing that was, like, the head of my bed, and I kept every one of them things stuffed in those little cabinets, and at night, I just grabbed them and, and pulled them next to me. Like, that was what's important. And so, so I would look down on her, and I'd be like, why are you wasting your time with puppy? Well, all of a sudden, I got a little bit older. And those stuffed animals, I realized those weren't really important to me. You know what was? Video games. Modern Warfare 2. Still important to you all, isn't it? I realized that the thing that I thought was once important, all those stuffed animals, that that was no longer important. And what was really important was video games. Fast forward a little bit. Now, video games are still important. But you know what's also important? Girls. So then it was girls and video games. It was a combo. Well, well then you get a little bit older. You get into high school. And, and, and then I realized, man, video games, yeah, they're still important. Girls, still important. But, you know, what's, you know what's almost more important? A letterman jacket. Like, like having, the, having the letters that say, I was on the varsity baseball team, I was on the varsity golf team, all of those, that, that's what's important. I get a little bit older, I get into college, and, and all of a sudden I go, man, I can't believe I, was, I cared about Sports. Uh, I, I can't believe I cared about uh, a letterman jacket. I can't believe that I cared about uh, like trying to be the best high school athlete that I could. I got to get a degree. I got to better myself for my career. I, I have to do all these things to set myself up for my life after college. Well, then I graduated from, from college and I realized, man, a degree? Sure, important. But you know what's really important? My marriage. Like, that is super important. And I can just tell, because of this cycle, how it's gone and gone and gone, that the next thing is going to be kids. And after that, it's going to be, where do my kids go to school? And it's going to be making sure that they uh, grow up and have everything that they need. Life is this continuous cycle of learning what's important. And the thing is, and I know what's going to happen, is we are all going to come to a point where we realize that the only thing that was really important in this life, the only thing that matters is the investments that were made in eternal things. The, the time that we spent at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is better. This semester, y'all, my prayer for you has been leading up to this week uh, that, you will, um, that you would devote yourself to time with the Lord, that you would devote yourself to growing in godliness, falling in love with the creator of the heavens and the earth. That has been my prayer for you over these last few weeks. I've met a lot of college students that want to do big things 
for Christ. Like you come in and you're super on fire, and, and I love that, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but the thing is, if it doesn't come from an overflow of being with Jesus, whatever it is that you try to do for Jesus, it won't matter. It won't. So, so let me reframe, as I, as I close, let me reframe your idea of what it looks like to do big things in the kingdom of God. You start by choosing a time and a place that no one can keep you from. A time and a place that no one, not even your closest friends, can keep you from. And you get in that place every single day, and you spend time with God. You sit at the feet of Jesus, and then you do that for a decade. And just see what might happen. Get to know God. Fall more in love with Him. Fall more in love with His Word. And see what might come from a life that is lived with the primary reward of being with Jesus. There's a lot of common excuses that people give as to why they can't do that. There's a lot of excuses. Uh, Primary one uh, being, well, I'm not a good reader. To which I would reply, man... I know that's hard, but it really, it's a blessing. Like, like you have the opportunity, you, you have the opportunity to have the, really the, the, the privilege to stop and read things over and over again and really glean what it is that the Lord is trying to teach you. You just have to read it over and over again. And I'm tell, I'll tell you, I'm in that boat with you. Like I straight up did not read a book, being vulnerable, did not read a book from the time I was in eighth grade all the way through high school, got to college, realized, oh, man, I have to read or else I fail. And I, like, lost a ton of, like, reading comprehension skills. I read so slow now. My wife finished two books on our last cruise. I finished one half of a book. Like, I'm telling you, it is, it is difficult, but it's a privilege because I get to read over and over and really dig to see what it is that the Lord wants to say another common excuse is, well, I don't know where to start. Like, I, I wouldn't know how to begin. You got all these people that, that I see on Instagram, and they're just, you know, two-hour quiet time, and they're like, look at all these things that Jesus told me. And it's like me and Jesus just like having breakfast together. It was beautiful. And, and I, I hear that, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Well, that's why here uh, through Revive, through, through Christ's Place, we have small groups. That, that we would love for you to be a part of. And those are groups where you can surround yourself with other like-minded believers, and they will help you learn what it means to study God's Word, to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to invite the band back up. As I close, the response tonight is simple. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, I have a challenge for you. It's very straightforward, very simple. It's this. As this semester has, has started, it's, it's winding up now. You're past all that. Like, you know, introduce yourself to the class stuff. Read the syllabus. You truant students, y'all are like in the deep end at this point. I know how that goes. As, as the semester gets started, I want you to find that place. Find that time that no one can keep you from. In this semester, I want you to commit to get there every single day and see what God might do. And for some of you, tonight or tomorrow may be the first day of your life that you actually do this. And that's totally fine. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. You have to start somewhere.
And this is, there's no better time than now. For others, maybe you came in this room tonight and you would say, I don't think I'm distracted from Jesus. I don't think busyness has overtaken me and caused me to, uh, my relationship with Jesus to suffer. I don't even think I know Jesus. Like you're saying all this stuff about sitting with Jesus and being with Jesus, but I don't even think I have a relationship with him. And honestly, the things that I've filled my life with, there is no way. There's no way Jesus could love me. There's no way he would want to be with me because of the things that I've done. There's, there's no possible way. Let me point you back to his words to Martha in verse 41. And I want to close by talking about this. Jesus looked at Martha after she had just sharply rebuked him. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. When you see Jesus use someone's name twice, anytime in in Scripture that someone's name is used two times in a row, Martha, Martha, that is a, a response of comfort. It's not like a sharp rebuke back to her. It's not like a one-up. It's an expression of comfort, like a father to a child. In this moment, Jesus is responding with the utmost care. It reminds me of a situation in my life uh, back when I was 16 years old, had just gotten my driver's license. And um, I had my, my dad, he had this white Toyota Tundra. And um, that, that Tundra, you know, my dad drove it for a while and he gave it to me as a gift. And it wasn't too long into driving that truck, probably about three, four months or so, that one day it was, it was raining, and uh, I was leaving uh, golf practice, I think, and um, I decided that I wanted to be really cool when I got up on the interstate, and so I gassed it, I fishtailed, and I straight up buried that thing in a ditch. I brought a picture. <laughs> My dad's truck <laughs> that he gave to me as a gift. She was with us up until earlier this year. She's passed to a new owner now. Uh, but that, it was a bad situation. Like, I was getting nowhere. Had to do the whole phone call of shame, called my dad. Dad, let's just say I've made a mistake. I am sitting on the side of I-95, and I'm not going anywhere. I need you to come get me. And so uh, I'm sitting there. My dad was probably 15 minutes away. I am sitting there in, like, sweating, panic, because I know what his response is going to be, right? Like, you know what his response would be. It, it would not be the two-word, Logan, Logan, that's, that's for sure. And so I'm sitting there, and I see his truck pull up, and uh, he pulls up behind me. First thing he does, no joke, gets out of his truck, walks up kind of off to the left side there where my truck is, Actually, I don't know why I'm saying that. He took this picture. That's what he did. So he was standing there, not over there. He took that picture. That was the first thing he did. He walks up to me, and he, he said, how'd this happen? I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he said, all right, well, let's figure out how to get you out. So long story short, we had to get somebody to tow me, but the truck got pulled out. And uh, he said, just, you know, follow me. We'll head on home. And so I'm like, I'm about to get it. And so I follow him, and he pulls into uh, close to my house, a gas station. 
there was a car wash at the gas station. Pulls up, tells me to go through the car wash, pays for me to get a car wash, drives a little bit further, pulls up to a mechanic shop. We leave the truck there. He pays for the truck to get inspected, all, I mean, the whole thing, top to bottom, to make sure that it was okay to drive. This was not the response that I deserved. In no way. I took the thing that he gave to me as a gift, being an idiot, buried it in a ditch, and his response to me was one of grace, one of compassion. He, he pays for me to, to basically have it completely fixed, to have it completely wiped away. And that's what Jesus' response is here to Martha. It's the same thing. It's one, he, he knows she's rebuked him. She has said all of these incredibly offensive things to him. But his response is one of grace and compassion. And it's his response to you today. If you're one of those people who you would say, there's no way because of the things that I've done, because of the things that I have made myself busy with, there's no way Jesus could love me. His response to you would be the same as his response to her. Martha, Martha. He's already paid to wipe it clean. That's what he did on the cross. When, when, he, when he gave his life, he was doing the exact same thing. He was, he was settling the payment that needed to be made so that you could walk free. And so tonight, if you've never made that decision, man, I would love to have a conversation with you. Uh, our girls director, Anne-Marie, would love to have a conversation with you. We'll be standing kind of off to the side over here to the left during this last song. Uh, if, if you want to have a conversation with us, we would love to talk to you about what it looks like to give your life to Jesus. It would be the best decision that you could possibly make at the beginning of this semester, starting it off. If you uh, nervous to get out or can't get out uh, because of how many people there are, uh, snag us after the service. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. We're going to worship together. And I want you to respond as you feel led. Jesus, Lord, we love you. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to hear from your word, God, to be challenged. Lord, forgive us for busying ourselves with things, Father, that, that don't matter, with things that are temporary. I pray that we would make ourselves busy with getting to know you, with sitting at your feet, with getting, uh, falling more in love with you, falling more in love with your word. I pray that these students would commit to that today. And that would change the course of their life forever. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.